0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Today is January 19th, 2020, and welcome to the brand new season of It's Time to Show the World. On today's episode, I want to give you guys something that I've never done before, and I hope you guys enjoy. So just sit back, relax, enjoy this quick commercial break, and I'm going to jump right into it. Peace. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that little bit commercial break. I know I did. And now I want to get into the meat of this episode, which is my sermon, entitled, You Are The One. This sermon was a three-month-long journey that I did that it took me through hell and back to get to where I'm at now. And I thank God every single day for the people who was a part of my life during this journey. Well, without further ado, here is my sermon, entitled, You Are The One. Peace. Peace.
1: morning. I have the pleasure to um, introduce Shamar. I met Shamar three years ago. He was coming to church, walking down the road, and I picked him up, and the Lord said, give him your phone number, and that's what I did. Um, I thank God for putting Shamar in my life because I had the pleasure to help him. Um, I don't put titles apostle because when you put a title to say he's your son, and I make a mistake or don't live up to it, then you have a problem. So I just say he's a good man, he's faithful. I called him on Sunday to come to church. He said, Tina, you don't have to pick me up, I'm almost at the church. (laughs) So he walked to the church, so he's very faithful. Very faithful. Um, I wanted to leave you with three things. Um, What come out your mouth is what you're thinking. So when it's negative, we have to turn it into a positive. Don't let nobody discredit you. You're dancing whenever you dance, wherever you dance, whatever you do, that's you. That's you. So keep doing it. Um, We had the pleasure of taking Shamar to the bus station, and the first thing they told us was do a dance before you leave. He was going to Florida. They wanted him to dance for him. And the next thing I wanted to leave with with you is um, will worship come? for when the people God put that's not supposed to be in your life leaves your life. That's when your real worship comes, and I've learned that. So whatever's going on with you, whatever you're dealing with, whether it's friends, family, whatever, I just want you to let it go. And I'm going to still walk this journey with you. I love you, and I pray that God strengthen you, and you see you ain't dead. You've been promoted. So just... Stand in who you are. Don't let nobody tell you who you're not. Who you are come for God, and always remember that. Thank you.
0: Real quick. <laughs> thank you, Tina, for that wonderful welcome introduction. Good morning. Good morning. First, I want to give honor to Christ, who gave me the strength to get to this very important moment in my life. I want to I want to honor Apostle Ford and Miss Ford, Pastor Wallace and Miss Wallace, and I really, and I really want to thank everyone who played a part in this message from Brother Manning to Tina Wilson. <laughs> so you heard that Brother Manny asked Montez to participate, and she gave her sermon. Well, I'm a different story. I remember I was watching the previous speakers a few months ago, and I always told myself that I'm going to do this one day, since once I get that courage. So during, so during Camp Dixie, I started to feel something in my spirit telling me to ask Brother Manny about doing this. So I asked him about the opportunity when we we were walking down to breakfast and his words were, I'll think about it. So I went on with the rest of my day with that same feeling that I need to do this. So, but the final night at Camp Dixie, I had a dream that I was working at the register at my job and Brother Manny came through my line with an order for the church and my manager was yelling in my ear saying, I shouldn't have made you a cashier because you are not qualified for it. I instantly woke up and started writing a rough draft with three different titles, from you are qualified and don't let the enemy tell you otherwise, <laughs> I am qualified, to the one you're here today. So after I wrote that, I remember that following Sunday, Brendan many, eventually agreed to let me do it, and here I am. May <laughs> me please bow our heads real quick. Dear Lord, I thank you and I honor you right now as I'm about to speak your word to your people, and I pray that you use me to deliver this message that came from my heart and, they will, and that they will understand what it means to know that you are the one. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel 16, verses 1 through 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long are you going to mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, because I have selected a king from his sons. Samuel asked, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord answered, Take a young cow with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will will let you know what what you are to do. You are to anoint it for me, the one I indicate to you. Samuel did what the Lord directed and he went to Bethlehem. When the elders of this town met him, they trembled and asked, do you come in peace? In peace, he replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and, it, and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Elab and said, certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. For man does not see what the Lord sees. For man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Jesse didn't didn't call and present him to Samuel. The Lord hasn't chosen this one either. And then the Lord said, then the Lord present Shammah. But Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. After Jesse presented seven of his sons to, to him, Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel asked him, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, he answered, but right now he's tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, send for him. We won't sit down until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. Then the Lord said, anoint him for he is the one. The title of my message is, You Are the One. So we see in verse one is Samuel being told by God that he had in fact chose, chosen a new king after what happened to Saul in the previous chapter. So Samuel has to go to Bethlehem and meet up with Jesse and tell his sons and and, <clears throat> and his sons to see which son it will be the chosen to be king. So God had a plan for one of Jesse's sons. He tells Samuel to go and then he will let him know who he has selected, in Jeremiah twenty nine and it states, "For I for I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future." God has a plan for every single one of us. The plans God has for you and I, He says that it will prosper us and not harm us. He will uh, get, He will also give us hope and a future. This means that He has a plan with our name on it, which. He created to not only help us, but to fully make us aware that he will never leave our side. side. Also in Jeremiah 1 and 5, the Lord said, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. While we were in the womb, God chose you and I to do amazing things in his kingdom, so we were automatically qualified by God. He said that we were set apart, meaning we, have, we were made to be different in every aspect in our, of our lives. And we have to realize that, yes, even though we were born a different race, gender, and grew up in different environments, one thing has not changed. God is the only one who can qualify us. So God tells Samuel to go, and he has selected Jesse's sons are not petitioning to be king, but but the Bible says that that God has selected one to be king. In Matthew 22 and 14, it says, for many are called, but few are chosen. You see, when you are called, you have a choice on whether or not to answer, but when you are chosen, you have no choice in the matter. (laughs) 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 Me, (laughs) me, Many of us have a twisted view of ourselves and we need to take ourselves out of the equation when it comes to us being qualified to be used by God because it doesn't have anything to do with how we talk, how we look, or even our background. For many of us, we are just chosen. And with that being said, we shouldn't walk around acting all bad and tough or acting like you got here by yourself because in reality, God has simply chosen you. Many of, <laughs> right now, many of us find ourselves involved in things in the kingdom that we had never even given thought of doing, because of, but because of, God, because of what he has chosen and the foundation of the world, we are simply fulfilling the plan God has for us. The scripture says he has selected a king from Jesse's sons. So this brings me back to when I was doing the voter registration for the 2012 election, and I was one of the youngest guys to be selected to go see President Obama for the National Democratic Convention. There were about 300 people that they could have chosen from, and I was the one that was chosen. Me, an inner city kid being chosen, there wasn't anything that I had really done to, that had really done to qualify me for the task, but for some reason, I was chosen. So knowing that I got, I was selected to go see him, I was very excited and I was very excited. And during Bible studies class, I had to let everybody know. (laughs) People were excited for me, especially my aunt Zettia, and knowing that I made her proud was the icing on the cake. So being qualified for a position like this was very challenging for a young guy, but I was selected for a reason. Going back to our story, we see how God told Samuel to invite Jesse along with his sons to the sacrifice, and he will let Samuel know which son is the anointed one out of the eight sons Jesse's had. So he tells the elder that he, tells the elder that he came to sacrifice the calf to God. Then Jesse and his sons came as well to the sacrifice, and when God, when Samuel saw Eliab, the eldest son, he was thinking that Elah was the chosen one. But God had to let him know that this son was the one. See, on the outside, Eli looked the part. He probably had great looks and spoke very well, but regardless of that, he wasn't the one that God has chosen. You see, for us, we focus on people's appearance, the way they speak, and the way they carry themselves, and that's how we decide who God has qualified. If someone, <clears throat> If someone doesn't look or speak the way you think they should, you, then you automatically disqualify them and never receive what God placed in them that was meant for you. For many of, in many cases, we miss the one who was who chosen for us and instead we up for an Elab, the one who looks or sounds the part, but is not the chosen one. So in verses eight through 10 tells us that after God denied Elab as king, Jesse then called his next son Abinadad, and the Lord said that he wasn't the one either, and the same with the Shema. So after Jesse showed Samuel seven out of the eight sons, Samuel told Jesse that God hadn't chosen any of them to be selected as king. So in verse 11 it reads, Samuel asked him, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, he answered, but right now he's tending, tending the sheep. Samuel, said, told, <clears throat> Samuel told Jesse, send for him, we won't sit down to eat until he gets here. So Jesse, told, so Jesse sent for him, he had a beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. Then the Lord said, anoint him for he is the one. After seven out of, eight, after seven out of the eight sons was rejected by God as the new king of Israel, Samuel asked Jesse, do you have any more sons? Jesse replied by saying he does have one more son who was the youngest, David, and he's taking care of the sheep in the field. So so Samuel basically demands that he needs to see David before he goes to eat. In fact, he says that he would not sit down until he comes. So Jesse did what Samuel asked and brought young David, and then God let Samuel know that David is the chosen one. The second point I wanna look at is how people we know or don't know disqualify us from the task God has for us. Looking back at how Jesse told Samuel that there was one more child after his other sons brings me to ask the question, why did Jesse leave David behind to begin with? Mm. What about David would make Jesse think that he wasn't wasn't even fit for the lineup? Was it because he was too young? Or maybe it was was because all David has been called to do thus far was to tend his father's sheep. So maybe Jesse was disqualifying his own son because in his eyes, David don't meet the criteria of what a king should be. Just like Jesse, we have those people in our lives who will automatically disqualify us for many reasons. It could be because they think that we are too young or we just don't fit their criteria. We don't look the right way, talk the right way, or have an educational level they think that we should have, and the enemy will really try to use those people to discourage us and cause us to believe that we are not qualified. But thank God, <laughs> qualification does not come from man. It come, only comes from God. He was blessed as king of Israel because in God's eyes, he was the one. He was tending sheep and doing his duties just like a king tend to his citizens, and does his duties. So maybe in Jesse's eyes, he thought David was just doing something normal, just tending the sheep. But in all reality, he was really being prepared for what he had been born to do, (laughs) to be king. Because looking at the responsibilities of a king, a king protects his kingdom, and he leads his people this is exactly what David has been trained to do while being a shepherd to his father's sheep. Knowing this about David, how can you ever be discouraged with your current situation? Hmm. You may you may feel like you at where you're at right now is a waste of time and no benefit to you at all, but knowing that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose... Could this place you're in be a place of preparation that God, for what God's called you to do? This is why Samuel would not allow anything to move forward. In fact, in verse 11, Samuel says, go fetch him and we will not sit down until. So now would they find themselves at an until moment? There was a reason, (laughs) There's a reason that God would not allow anything to move forward until they... (laughs) Until, until (laughs) they brought God's choice in one. In the same way, there are some areas in our life that we are stuck in and God won't allow us to move forward (laughs) because we are not around ourselves to be led by him. Jesse told, excuse me, Samuel told Jesse that he would not sit down and eat until he find the right son. This means he would not go any further until. Now think about yourself. What is the until that you're that you're stuck, that you're waiting for, that is keeping you stuck in your un, your current situation. And what? And how many of you are still stuck because you haven't fulfilled your until moment? <laughs> mm. Some of us are wondering why we won't. Unlo- why God won't allow us to move forward? Meanwhile, God is telling you you won't move forward until. Until that God is waiting for is never something foreign to you. Just like Jesse knew he had another son, many of us there is something that God is asking from us and he won't move until he gets it. So how long are you going to keep God waiting? So if you're stuck and you find yourself in that cycle, go get that or do that thing that God's requiring of you. Go get that bitterness. Go get that hatred. Go get that unforgiveness. And go get that anger you've been dealing with and give it all to God so that so that you can move forward. <laughs> stop that cycle. Looking at verse 12, it reads, <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> So Jesse sent it for him. He had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. Then the Lord said, anoint him for he is the So we see in the scripture, the Lord says that out of all the sons, David is the one, the youngest son, the, out, the one out tending the sheep, the one they forgot about, is the one God has chosen to be king. This is why we have to be careful about allowing others to to attempt to qualify us. People will try to qualify us based on what we've done and what they perceive we are capable of doing, but they will use that same method to disqualify us. Just look at the young woman in John chapter 8. This woman was caught in in an act of adultery and was about to be stoned by the Pharisees and the scribes this woman was probably called so many names of what she had done in her past. Done in her past. So when the Pharisees and the scribes brought this woman to Jesus and asked him to uh, to allow them to stone her to death, the Lord says, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw the stone at her. Huh. As soon as he said that, one by one, The Pharisees, along with this Christ, dropped their stones and left the temple because they realized that while they were disqualifying her because of what she had done, they would also have to disqualify themselves. According According to Romans 3.23, it tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the very thing that you use to disqualify someone, their past mistakes. Their shortcomings and their struggles—those same things—they could could be used to disqualify you. The woman's adulterous action was the thing that you that they used to judge her. But for you and I, it could be something else. Just because someone's struggle is not your struggle, don't doesn't make you better or any or any more qualified than they are. And they, and they are. Just like this woman, she was being disqualified because of what she had done in her past. But it didn't make her unqualified in God's eyes. God would pa- Jesus went pass all the mistakes and failures, and he did not condemn her. But he also didn't condone it because he told her not to sin again. Just like, this, just like the woman, God doesn't hold our past against us. Instead, in Jeremiah 1 and 5, he tells us, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you, before, Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So he said that he formed you before he knew you. He knew everything about you. All those secret things, the ones you don't want anyone else to know, he knew all of that about you yet he still says you are the one god would pass everything we've done good pass everything we've done in our past because when christ died on that cross all of our sins were forgiven so that means like in our situation you and i have done some wrong and we can't judge someone else because of what they did we may not be perfect but God has always qualified us from the beginning, because perfection was not what God was working for when He chose us. All He needed was a willing vessel. Mm. Huh. Mm. For some of us, it's not even the people we know or don't know that disqualifying us. For some of us, we are disqualifying ourselves. We disqualify ourselves by comparing ourselves to one another. Hmm. Me personally, I felt a little discouraged when I, when I was writing this sermon and I, honestly, and I honestly was disqualifying myself because I was listening to what other people told me about this entire process and I was not good enough or I didn't look like the guy who would be doing this. And I was sitting in my room one night and I really was about to call Brother Manning And tell them that I cannot do this anymore. I almost allowed what other people said about me ruin what I can gain from the experience and what God had planned for me. And this is the same with us. This is the same with us. (laughs) We listen and we sometimes allow what people say impact the way we are right now in our process do we look at ourselves in the mirror and say maybe they're right i'm i'm not ready enough to do this job or in david's case i am too young for this position i don't i don't really don't know how to be really be a king over a country so how what about how we compare ourselves to the next person I know for sure that every once in a while we tend to be discouraged by the person sitting right next to us because you see the outside, the nice car, the nice house, the Rolex watch they got—they have on, but you will never know what they've been through in order to be who they are today. We tend to say congratulations on the new job. Or, I saw on Facebook that you have been blessed with a new house. Uh I pray for many blessings along the way for you. Uh But how many of us really mean what we say? Because yes, we can say those things, but does it really help out in our situation? If we are disqualifying ourselves of many blessings by envying the next person right next to us, we need to learn how to, Trust God's process for ourselves. If we look look at parts of David's process in 1 Samuel 17, 34-36, we see David explains what he had had been through as a kid, what he went through as a kid, protecting his flock by any means necessary, striking down bears and lions to save his father's flock of lambs. Nothing about David's process looked like a process fit for a king, but in Ephesians 2, 10 it says, For we are his creation." Created in Christ Jesus for good works, for God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. This means regardless of what the process looks like, we will walk into the good works that God prepares for us ahead of time. For some of us, our process may be a lot like David's because it may not look or seem like we're headed in the right direction. But if God did that for David and he did it for the person right next to you, I know he could do it for you and me. And that's the issue right there. We want to be successful but don't want to trust the process that God has for us. Wow. Just like in Psalms 37 and 5, it says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Many of us are committed for his, to God and his plans for us, but we don't trust him in the midst of the process. If we are committed but don't trust him, how can he act on our behalf? Instead of comparing ourselves to one another and 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 envying their blessings, we should find joy in in our own process, knowing that it will take us to where God planned for us to be at all along. Lastly, sometimes it's not even about others' opinions of ourselves. Sometimes we disqualify ourselves because of our own opinions. This reminds me of the story of Moses and the burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, God instructs Moses to go to the pharaoh and bring his Israelites out of Egypt. But the first thing Moses does is to disqualify himself from being the one. In verse 11, Moses replies and says, Who am I that I should go to pharaoh and bring bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses was probably thinking about all the things he'd done, killing the Egyptian man, and abandoning his people. Here we see Moses disqualifying himself for being the one because of what he'd done in his past. But in Exodus chapter 4, we see how he disqualified himself due to his current condition. God tells Moses to go to the elders and tell them and let them know that he was about to bring them out of Egypt. In verse 10, Moses began to disqualify himself again by saying, Please the Lord, I have never been eloquent either in the past or or recent or since you have been speaking to your servant because I am slow and hesitant in speech. But the Lord responds in verse 11 and says, who made the human mouth? Who make him mute or deaf, seen or blind? It is not I, Yahweh. In other words, God was asking Moses what his past or current status had to do with him being chosen. So now I ask you, what is your past, your current situation, or what you've been through have to do with whether or not you are qualified to do what God has called you to do. Just like Moses, God has, is simply saying you are the one. Even though I may not have a burning bush experience like Moses, I still deal with the same issue. Me being 22, I dealt with a lot of insecurities about myself. From having to go to speech therapy as a kid and telling myself I can't speak properly or because I speak way too fast, or how I was named a bad kid because of my ADHD. I was really let go I was really I was really <coughs> really letting myself go and letting and I was really down on everything I've done in my life. Just like this process when I was just like when I was in the process of writing this sermon. I started having doubts in my head because I got nervous about speaking in front in front of the congregation. I never thought I would be in a place like this today doing what I'm doing today because of all the things that I've struggled with. But still, in this day, for this moment, and regardless of all I've dealt with, God still says, I am the one. in closing, there is nothing we can ever do to become qualified. The only way we can become qualified is that God qualifies us. Writing this sermon was one of the most challenging tasks for me thus far, but I learned a lot about how we qualify and disqualify ourselves, st- starting with David's story in 1 Samuel 16, then to the young woman in John 8, and even with, Mo- and even with Moses in Exodus 3 and 4. We all have our moments when we are st- when we are stuck in our situation and we are searching for our until moment and we are all and we will always have people who are trying to discard for disqualify us but we need to truly trust in god choosing us instead of trusting in what we have, may have done in our past and in or in our current situation we are a chosen generation and we are called for to do what we have learned to use what we have learned to teach and eventually to save the ones that we are, who are needed and are searching for their until moment. My tith- my message is titled, you are the one for a reason. You are the one who can reach out to the ones who are being rejected by others because of their past. You are the one who can show others that regardless of what they've been through, they can overcome it and, and you are the one to motivate to motivate others to, mm. <laughs> you are the one to motivate others and to be who God called them to be and much more. I could be the one who isn't afraid to speak up for myself. <laughs> I am the one who is confident in what God has called me to do right now. <laughs> And if God could qualify me to do this, then you need to do what he has qualified you to do because you are the Thank you.
2: Let's give God some praise. If you knew his story, if you knew what it took for him to get up here, if you knew. He told us.
0: Oh wait.
2: Y'all know I'm a crier. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God. Thank you, God, for the gifts that we have in this house, Father. Thank you, God, that he is qualified, that it wasn't about anything that he did, anything he could do, Lord, that you just chose him for this moment, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the word that you placed in him, Lord. We thank you for that word, Lord. We thank you right now that chains are breaking off of him, Lord God. We thank you right now, Lord, that fear is leaving, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that his self doubt is leaving, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Alright, so you guys have heard the sermon entitled, You Are The One. And like I said, it was a three-month process. Like, I did not even get done until the day before I gave it. And God used me in a way to impact a lot of people during that day. And I pray that you was impacted by this message of being the one. And knowing that you are the one to do amazing things, regardless of what anybody says about you. Regardless of your skin color, your your sexual orientation, any of that, that does not matter. Just know that you are the one to do amazing things because you are the one. So just sit back. I have one more thing to say after this last commercial break. So just sit back. Peace. What's going on, everybody? The last thing I want to say is thank you to every single one who really gave a huge support to my sermon on October 27th. Um, I can't name everybody, but I want to just say thank you, and I hope you guys enjoy this. And until the next one, peace and love, and I'll see you guys next week. Peace.